Hello and welcome to Plus One to Gaming. Chris here, and in this episode, we're going to talk about ability scores, what they are, how to get to these numbers quickly, and different ways you can use to assign those numbers to your characters. Let's get into it. So what are ability scores? When creating a character in D&D, you assign numbers to your character's traits. These numbers, or ability scores, represent the measurement of your character's physical and mental traits, as they directly impact how skilled your character is at certain tasks and the likelihood of success. The number represents how developed the trait is. The higher, the better, because it contributes more to the possibility of success. And unless you're playing homebrew, 8 is the minimum you can have for a starting character. But 8 doesn't mean your character is totally inept at that trait. To put it in perspective, a rat in the D&D world has a strength of 2. A hill giant has a strength of 21. Where does your character fall in that spectrum? Here's another way to think about it. 8 is the level of your everyday average layman. 16 would be at the elite, professional, or genius level of that ability. 20 and above would be godlike. Let's talk briefly about each ability score and how they impact your character. Strength refers to the physical prowess of your character and determines your ability with melee weapons, how much you can carry, push, pull, jump, or otherwise exert physical force. It influences the skill's athletics, and it also influences your attack and damage rolls, lifting, and carrying capacity. Dexterity is the measure of reflex, balance, and agility. This determines how successful acrobatic, sleight of hand, sneaking, or any action requiring nimbleness or finesse will be. It influences the acrobatics, sleight of hand, and stealth actions, as we just mentioned. It also influences your attack rolls and damage with ranged weapons or melee weapons if you have the requisite abilities. Constitution is how hardy, healthy, or resilient a character is. It represents their vitality or stamina and is how a character might push themselves beyond their normal limits. Constitution also contributes to your hit points, which we'll talk about in a later video. Intelligence determines your character's mental ability, recall, and logical skills. Pulling from wells of education, memory, deduction, or logic requires intelligence. It influences skills arcana, history, investigation, nature, religion, it also influences spellcasting for wizards. Wisdom is how perceptive, aware, and intuitive your character is. It plays into emotional intelligence, reading body language, noticing things, or healing. It influences the skills animal handling, insight, medicine, perception, and survival. It also influences spellcasting ability for clerics, druids, and rangers. Charisma is how effectively you interact with others. It covers confidence, eloquence, intimidation, charm, or commanding people. It influences skills of deception, intimidation, performance, and persuasion. It also influences spellcasting ability for bards, paladins, sorcerers, and warlocks. Next, we're going to talk about how to get to these numbers quickly. To quote Sakushia Sargala from Morrowind, There are a few ways we can do this, and the choice is yours. Standard Array. This is my preferred option. It provides a balanced spread of stats that works well for a lot of characters, and it forces you to think about their skills and abilities. The numbers that you have to assign are 15, 14, 13, 12, 10, and 8. You assign these numbers to each trait, and you're done! 
It's just that easy. In reality, getting there can be the hard part when you're pulled in several directions. And this is where class really matters. We go into detail on this on part three of our character creation series, but each class uses ability scores to power their abilities. Some classes rely on a single attribute to shine, like wizards, who only need intelligence, while others require multiple attributes to work, like the paladin, who needs charisma, strength, and constitution. This isn't as big of a deal in 5e, but trying to stretch all of your abilities too far won't help you or your party. Here's some examples. A fighter can max either their strength or dexterity, based on their fighting style, and their constitution, and they're good. They can do whatever they want with the rest of their stats. But an Eldritch Knight is going to need to balance their intelligence with their strength and constitution, and they won't be as effective as a pure wizard or a pure fighter would be. Another example is the monk, who requires dexterity for physical attacks, wisdom for their key, constitution to survive, but also has strengths as one of its saving throws, which is typically a stump stat. Another example would be the paladin, who requires strength for their physical attacks, constitution for their survivability, and charisma for spellcasting. It's important to know that you can't be the strongest, wisest, fastest, and smartest fighter, but you don't need to be. With Standard Array, you can be really good at two things, fairly good at two other things, and just okay at two others. Looking at it that way, how would you split that out for your character? Another way to think about how to assign your stats is to think about what skills your character would be proficient in. Looking at the ability scores that influence those skills might help you decide where to place those points. So if I'm creating a fast-talking pit pocket, Deception, Persuasion, Stealth, and Sleight of Hand tell me that Charisma and Dexterity are going to be important stats for my character. But again, it's important to remember not to stretch your abilities too far out. When assigning your skill points, think about your party. Rely on them to help round out your weaknesses. Going back to our episode on choosing your class, think about the person you're creating, their skills, history, background, preferences. Based on who they are, how then would you measure their abilities using these numbers? And there's an important distinction I want to make here. There is an ideal way to create your character, min-maxing, which is making sure your character is completely optimized for a specific task or taking advantage of you know, different combinations of feats and traits. And let me say, there's nothing wrong with this. These characters can still be a lot of fun to play. But it doesn't always match the character you're trying to create or the playstyle you're trying to evoke. And sometimes the character can just become a one-trick pony that becomes boring to play over time. That might not be true for you, but just be aware that there are a few methods for how to pick where to put your ability scores. Each of them have merit depending on what you have in mind. And that brings us to our next option, point buy. The point buy method gives you more control over your character's spread. Using this method, you have 27 points to spend on your ability scores. You can have three really high stats and three really low stats, more average stats across the board, or variations between those two. For new players, I do recommend using the standard array, but if your DM allows it, point by can help you create a more optimized or balanced character depending on your playstyle or intentions for the character. For example, one approach to the paladin conundrum is to use a spread where 15 is in your strength, charisma, and constitution, and 8 is in the rest of the scores but that also leaves some gaps in your defenses that can be exploited. Again, there's no better or worse, but different ways to get to the same end. And this brings us to our last method, 
Roll for it. Rolling for stats can be a lot of fun for role-playing, but your DM must allow it. It's not in the player's handbook as an option, and it isn't Adventurer's League legal if that's something that you're into. This method involves rolling 4d6, dropping the lowest number, and repeating 6 times to get all of your stats, then placing those numbers however you want in your stats block. There's also a variant of this method where you roll each stat as you go down the list, and those are the stats that you have. This is definitely a high-risk, high-reward method for creating a character. You're certainly throwing yourselves to the whim of fate. It is potentially unbalancing in either direction. You can either be completely underpowered or just an absolute force that hogs the limelight. I recommend rolling at the table to prevent cheating. And I recommend that the if this is the option, the entire party does it because it can be unfair if only one person is doing it and they get incredibly high stats or incredibly low stats and makes the game not as fun. Now that you've determined your initial ability scores, next you can add the racial or feat bonuses if applicable. Some races will add to your ability score. I like to place my stats first, then add any racial bonuses. This also might determine how you spread out your stats. Some feats, like Observant, give you plus one to an ability score and some other improvement on the side. And don't worry, we'll be talking about feats in length in another video. Also, when I write out my bonuses, I actually like to write them somewhere written out so that I can remember what's contributing to my overall scores. Sometimes you get a lot of these modifiers and it's easy to forget what's contributing I've been burned a couple times by this where I've either undercounted or overcounted things, and it's helpful to just keep track of where your bonuses are coming from. Okay, we've figured out our ability scores. We're done, right? Not so fast. Once we figured out our ability score totals, we can figure out our ability score modifiers. Guess what? This is the number you actually want to pay attention to. It's the bonus or penalty you add to your rolls when you're using that trait. So for example, if you're using acrobatics, you would be using dexterity and that modifier is what you would add to your roll to get your end result. Another example would be an attack roll where you're using strength to swing your sword. You would add your strength modifier to that attack roll and damage. You're going to be using your modifiers quite a lot. So put your modifier in the big bubble. It's what you're actually going to be using, so it's nice to have it noticeable on your character sheet. The quickest way to translate your ability score to the modifier is by referring to the chart on page 13 in the player's handbook. As you level up, you're going to have opportunities to improve your ability scores. Having an idea of how you want your character to grow beforehand can help you plan your initial ability scores, like maybe putting a 13 in dexterity for now because you know you're going to bump it up to 14 later and get that modifier at level 4. Also, it's important to note that a one-point difference in a modifier at level 1 isn't going to make a big impact on your game, so don't sweat it. That's it for today's episode on ability scores. Please, don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and click that notification bell. It updates you on new episodes and goes a long way in supporting the show. You can also listen to a podcast version of this show on all major podcast networks. Subscribe to the newsletter and get new content and exclusive bonuses delivered straight to your inbox. Never spam. And stay tuned for the next part of our ongoing character creation series where we talk about armor class. We'll catch you next time.